Today's date is July 7th, 2023, and this is episode 29. Hi, punks. Going to school, huh? Yeah. Why don't you play fish hooky and come fishing with us? Yeah, boy, they're sure biting. Get thee behind me, Satan, and don't push. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, get on him for Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Now Jesus went through the desert 40 nights and 40 days. When he got tired and hungry, his father, he would pray. But the devil came to Jesus, said, if you want to be fed, why don't you turn these big old worthless stones to bread? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus through the temple of Pontop. And he said, if you are the son of God, to follow this golden drop. Of all the scripture says that angels will slow you falling down. And they'll gently put your feet back on the ground. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, you don't tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil came to Jesus to a mountaintop to shove all the cities and the nations and the kingdoms here below and the devil get told jesus you can't have all that you see if you will just bow down and worship me get behind me satan jesus said get behind me satan jesus said get away from me satan jesus said you don't tempt the lord thy god get behind me satan jesus said get behind me satan Jesus said, get away from me, Satan. Jesus said, he said, don't tempt the Lord like God. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is an official Godcast. Thank God. It is Friday. The weekend's here. And by the way, I'm officially on vacation for the next week, in case anyone's wondering. I'm your host. My name is Ron Johnson. I'm here with Flightworks Mary tonight, giving his testimony, our special guest in pursuit, Greg Williams. Mary, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm enjoying the cooler weather in Minnesota right now. 
man. we're done with the 100 degrees for a week now oh, it's what a blessing like 70. <laughs> yeah so, so 70s is so much nicer it is especially when you but work outside Boy. tomatoes don't like 70 though what do they like well i don't know they like hot weather but they like 80s, doesn't yeah the sunshine. deer like them anyway so are there gonna be any left <laughs> or are you just feeding the deer this year <laughs> well i did hire my fence so i i'm a little I, i'm a little more uh confident that they're not going to get in there but i did have a dream last night that they jumped the the new fence and they ate everything right to the ground oh. and but i woke up so happy that it was just a dream and i went to go check my garden in the morning <laughs> it was fine so yeah, yeah that's what i'm doing i'm all about the garden right now it's nice i uh had some green beans that came in man oh man are they so good i really oh, miss summer it's so nice. good to have summer again but you're right about the weather we we were just skipping we had 90s all last week and it was it was a week in the pool and the next coming week coming up supposed to be high high 70s low 80s so it's going to be just perfect perfect summer yeah perfect yeah you're summer. getting the weather that we're having right now probably here soon so what's going on next week what's going on next week well on the godcast we have people devo and high vistas are coming up and tam rounds out the end of the month that's awesome i know and then september comes and we're we're like is it is that the end of summer september oh i don't know i think the end of summer is when we stop wearing shorts so november then yeah pretty much <laughs> In pursuit, Greg Williams. How are you today? Hey, good to be with you all. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm doing well. My voice is pretty clear. And I have good energy, good focus. I, I call it an ambitious day, a rare day, and a, and a blessed day. <laughs> Couldn't agree with you more on everything. Yeah. You sound great. You look great. Oh, thank you. Man, you're a ray um, of sunshine. You can tell when somebody loves the Lord. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah he, he shines called, great yeah the fraternity of the shining face exodus <laughs> 34. nice there's our first verse get in the chat mary yeah that's right <laughs> greg i knew we were gonna have a greg show and we might go uh at least three or four hours because greg gave us like uh 40 verses <laughs> it was like, like man look at this bio we got our work cut out for us tonight this is gonna be awesome can't wait i know and you know all those all those works i provided to you as well they're like dear friends to me and it's like it's like you know a letting stranger into my home and seeing my family you know yeah so yeah greg's given us a lot of bible verses um and, and a lot of things that have inspired them along the way some some reading some audio and we're going to get those all up on our telegram page uh for, for our listeners if you guys want to check out and learn more about greg uh, Greg's a Bardsy I'm, man. He's been around for a few years. He went to the first Bards Fest. He was just at Yuva City with Mary. So uh, this this is one of Bards family's finest right here tonight. And we thank you yeah, all for they let me in. Tonight. I snuck in somehow. Ah, they'll let anybody in. Just I like, just posted your uh, scriptures in the Godcast page. Awesome. Okay. Favorite verses. They just hit awesome well that's that's awesome because you know there's there's time and there's suffering and there's a period in my life where those verses uh were very 
instrumental, you know, like like a, a cane or a cast or a, a light, like in a storm. You know, like one of my one of my favorite one of my favorite metaphors or instruments is a lighthouse or a compass mm-hmm. and a map. Like when I used to go, and it turns out my dad and my brother are the same way. It's like we we came together one time and we always like to predict how long it's going to take to get somewhere. <laughs> now you inherit, you inherit these strange proclivities and these these uh, you know these competitive things or whatever. Let me uh, let me uh, close my door here. Can you guys, can you guys hear that? What do you got going on? My cord is just barely long enough. There we go. Sorry about that. Sorry for the bad audio. No, you're good. But, uh, That's good. But like I went into, I got into uh, uh, backcountry skiing where you take, uh, I took these downhills. I didn't, wasn't planning on talking about this, but there's so many things. I, I, I could not say anything about what I'd written down. I was going to say, and I'd feel the whole time and be completely different. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I got these downhill skis from my sister. They were head skis, which is an old brand. And I got these mohair skins. So they're adhesive on one side and the, the skin. So you two can see my hand. So, but the hair is at an angle. So if, if you put the, the hair down toward the back, when you walk up a hill, the hair will, will stand up and grip the snow. Oh. And, you, and you, can, you can unlock the heel. So, so it's like cross-country skiing where your heels, you know, your, heel, your, your feet are on hinged heels. Then when you get to the top of the mountain or the slope or whatever, you, you reach down, you lock down your heel, and then you ski down like you would a normal, instead of telemarking where you, you create a, like a V mark with the cross-country skis where they're, they're real long. With these downhill skis, you're just going to, you know, do like you normally do. And you're in, you know, you're out in open country. And I only do that in places where I know where I am. You know, I don't want to go be going over a, <laughs> a creek or a hole or a cliff or something. But yeah. Oh my gosh, that was that was the most pristine. Maybe maybe next to going up the the tram, that's going up from the desert side up to Mount San Jacinto. There's a tram that goes up there, and we we go snow camping up there. Fro- froze our butts off, but man, that was so much fun. But um, anyway, let me let me get into my my testimony. Well, and well, before you do, we, let me let me do a beginning prayer for us. All right, let's okay. set the mood right. We got a great song uh with get behind me saint but we always we always want to do a prayer too just to make sure that everything goes right here tonight okay <laughs> and then maybe i can finish with with a song with great significance i'll sing one verse of a, of a hymn if you'll let me sure. absolutely if i won't break the microphone or something <laughs> no 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 we won't let you all right everybody let's bow our heads i'll, I'll go ahead and pray for us amen Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you again for having us here tonight to do Godcast. We praise you, Lord, and we're here only to glorify you, Lord. And thank you for giving us this work to do for you. What a pleasure it is to say yes to Jesus. Lord, we ask that you are here tonight with us. We ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We ask for words for Greg that will glorify you, that will bring the lost to salvation to put Jesus in their heart. So they're born again. So they can have that gift of eternal life as you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your son. 
for dying on the cross for us, for the blood that he shed, that washes our sins, that makes us clean, that makes us white. We thank you for all these things, Father. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ron. So I'm not really a singer. I, I wasn't a quartet. I'm, I was much younger then. I sang bass, even though I'm really a baritone. But I'm going to sing this song because this song was really significant. Uh, I have a, a hymnal. Oh, it's right here. So this is the Inner Varsity Press hymnal. And only, unfortunately, only Mary can, and Ron can see it. But it's not very thick. It's got 163 songs in it. And I'm going to talk more about in my early discipleship years, the role this hymnal played in my life. And there's there's one song of all the songs that we sang, or that I sang, because I'm the one that sings in the family. I'm, I'm Welch, what can I say? Um, that this song has stuck out, has passed on. And um, our our number four, we have five children. We have four daughters and a, and a, and a son. He's number two. And... Uh, um, they're all in, I love, I just love, I just love to say this. And I'm so blessed. Okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm probably going to cry a bunch of times during this testimony. That's okay. Tears are very much appreciated. That's all right. Yeah, for some, for some reason brother. these days, like even when I watch like, uh, America's voice or America's got talent, watching those people get up on that stage and doing something so hard and performing so magnificently, you know, it's like, well, Lord, you really blessed them. Yeah. And uh, for me, I guess it's kind of a just feeling humbled and blessed by the Lord and be just being hopeful that I would end well, even though right now I feel pretty broken and, and uh, roughed up. But, and I'll talk about that. But so anyway, I just want to, you know, put that out there. But anyway, so this, <clears throat> clear myself up so I can sing. <laughs> so uh, this song is called One Day. Have, have either of you heard of that or anybody on chat? By the way, welcome to Patriot. Live in, good to see you. If, and if anybody has questions or whatever, what I talk about or, you know, whatever, you know, feel feel free to ship it in or bring it in to Mary. Um, but um, our our number four, uh, our number our number three daughter, about our number four child, uh, Chanel. Her little her little baby girl is now three, and. My wife goes over there. Her name is Marcel. And she goes over there once a week and watches this little girl. And they both spend a lot of time with her. She's she's homeschooled. You know, a lot of people that are homeschooling. These kids are coming out like with the when I experienced homeschool kids, you know, I heard all this crap about them. And I'm the homeschool kids I met, I'm going like, holy crap, can I like change my life and get into your family? <laughs> yeah. Know, right? Yeah, they're bright kids. This, you know, yeah. so yeah, they were shy, but they weren't awkward. And now the homeschooling's gotten better, and the hubs have gotten healthier and stronger. And these kids are coming out with, as debaters. You know, like in in uh, junior high, they're like taking on, you know, you know, uh, Charles Darwin or something. Know, and right? it's it's just really really impressive. I have I have a great homeschooling story. I hope I remembered to tell it. But um, so anyway, she says to my wife, she says, "Let's think far." So she's she's called Oma and I'm called Opa because my wife is Dutch Indonesian. Yeah. And uh um I meant to bring pictures in. Actually I have this is a this is an old picture, but this is this is my oh it's the reflection. There you go. You can see Beautiful. they're uh they're on the end of high school or 
in the middle of high school or beginning of college right there. For those that can't see, this is a gorgeous family. Yeah, they are gorgeous. And the, I mean, everybody told us that when we got married, they go, you guys could have gorgeous kids. We didn't think that much about it, but um, it's true. And it's it's like, wow, uh, it's, that gorgeousness is like beyond the both of us, like synergy or something. <laughs> but uh, but um, the picture of, of our son's wedding where everybody's together is just my sister was standing there uh, on where, where the picture was posted in our dining area. And she looked at me and, she, you know, she knows what we've been through growing up. And she looked at me and she goes, and I, I actually brought her to Christ, you know, at two o'clock in the morning um, back in probably 70, 72, maybe, or 73. And uh, she goes, she just looked at me, started crying. She goes, Greg, look how far you've come. I go, I don't deserve it. You know, straight up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's just, there's my kids, their spouses and their children and my son's beautiful bride. I mean, she fits right in with all my girls. In fact, when we first met her, her name's Rachel. And we, when we, we were taking pictures in the park when we first met her and we tried to make sure we didn't do to her what we did to Chanel's husband, because when he showed up, we all went over to him and like everybody goes, oh my gosh, Chanel's family's like attacking him. And we never thought about that way. You know, it's like, we don't realize that we're kind of like, you know, people used to fondly say we were like a, an army of uh, Af Africanized bees or something. Because <laughs> we, when we get on something, we like get it done, you know, like, like we're a troop. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we're both very task oriented. We're both driven people, but, you know, we know the balance between incentivizing and being self-motivated you know with all the training and stuff i've had but uh and marcel grew up in a big family she was the oldest of seven and she's uh, the oldest girl so her her family name means little mother in 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 uh, dutch um so we we we, we our kids oh we're always we're like an asian or hispanic family we always have lots of kids in the house we have vbs's we're like a homeschool house, but I mean a homeschooling house, but we, we put, I put my kids through private school. Anyway, to the song. I'm sorry. I go on a lot of digressions and everything. You guys have to keep me on track, but I'm doing it okay. this time. But uh, okay. anyway, so she says, Oma, <laughs> that's where I left off. Oma, <laughs> sing far away. And, and Marcel goes, or my wife's name is Marcel, L-E at the end. She goes, I don't know any song named Far Away. She goes, yes, you do. And so then my wife goes, well, it could only be one day. So she goes, one day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be. There's five verses. And I added one. Jesus <laughs> came forth to, because there's nothing about the kingdom in it. Jesus came forth to be born of a virgin, dwelt among men, my example is he. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Yeah. There's the far away. When she got to that, she goes, oh, my gosh, you remember that phrase, you know, far away. Right. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Wow. I got Thank that. you. I didn't cry. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, that was great. Hard, hard on your ears. No, no that's beautiful. But, uh, beautiful. Thank so you. So the, 
the thing is we used to we used to when we would meet together um this is my discipleship years in the 70s we would just get together in, in a in a, a set of concentric circles and we would have a table with the, the bread and the wine on it and and we would have no schedule no pre-printed program we would just we would all come prepared uh, and, and the rest of our week was part of this process so that it was sunday was not horribly different from the rest of the week and we were all college students so we had time to be you know more devoted to our word our, our studying the word and prayer and things like that and i was in campus ministry i actually did open air preaching you know like like george like a george whitfield style nice <laughs> yeah and there's this there's a really super funny story about that so when i when i get to meeting my wife i have to tell you that story but okay if i have enough time but um anyway, well, do you want do you want to start um i don't know where you want to start but if like so you've been a christian a long time correct yeah since okay. uh since i graduated from high school in 1970. so i can okay. get back on track in terms of your structure if you want me to oh it's okay was, whatever was, whatever however god leads you i just was curious how long you've been christian it sounds like a long time so before i was yeah. born what's that <laughs> before i was born i was born in 75 and you start talking about 72 and i'm like oh wow man i didn't think you were that yeah. old you look great man <laughs> I yeah, know, I'm, right? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be 71 this year, so I've I've known the Lord for 50 years. Wow! Wow! I'm I'm shocked. Yeah, it's wow. it's a long time. It seems like you yesterday. look you look very young. Yesterday, love was such an easy game to play. <laughs> um, so let me finish about the open air preaching. What was I gonna say about that? I forget now. Let, let me go back to uh what I was gonna start with, which is you know my upbringing, how I was raised, the chaos of it all, and all that kind of good stuff. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to feature some stories and some 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 characteristics of me that manifest themselves later that that I probably won't get to in terms of how the Lord leverages that and how he suppresses that, you know, to to like sort of break, you know, take my strength and break it so he can replace it with his strength, you know, to use kind of uh, typical sort of Christian lingo, which is, you know, it's not far from scripture. But anyway, so when I when I was I was born, I was, there was four of us and I was the first boy, I was number three. So my sisters, you know, coddled me, pampered me. And the story my mom used to love to tell people, she goes, yeah, when Greg would run out of milk, because the bottles were glass then, she goes, he would just throw it against the wall and just laugh and it would break up on the wall. <laughs> I, I go, so I even had an R back then, because huh? I, I played center field when I was in baseball. And so... I could throw people. I could see them coming around, coming to second. If they were, if they hadn't touched the plate yet, I I knew exactly where to throw it. I'd calculate it in my brain, and I'd just throw it right there. And the the catcher would never, you know, move the mitt. He would just catch it, and then they would slide right into the mitt and go, boom, got him. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is I I didn't talk until later because I would point and grunt or make noises, and the girls would figure out what I wanted. <laughs> So I didn't talk to later. <laughs> and then that's not that I'm a controlling person. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying I, I did take advantage of the situation, I suppose. <laughs> uh, then the other thing is this, this story about the bees. Now, I didn't remember this because this is around four years old. Um, and the reason why I bring this up is because, A, it's super scary. And 
one time I was in, I was in my backyard I'm on my ranch and cause we had horses, an acre and a third, stuff like that. So I'm married and the kids are, uh, I think, I think probably Ingrid was born. So this is probably after 1990, which is when she was born. But, um, uh, a bee buzzed me and I just, I just like flinched. I go, what? I said, well, so Lord, what, why am I reacting to that bee like that? And he, he brought that image back in my mind when, my brother was pushing me in a wagon. I was having my brother do the work. He was pushing me in the wagon. We ran into a tree and there was a beehive up there and the bees were swarming all around me and he ran off. I was sitting there crying like an idiot. And, uh, and I'm to my, my dad or somebody came and got me. I don't know what happened, but that whole thing just was right there. And so I, I, so then I thought about that. I go, so what other kind of emotional patterns are there in my life that I involuntarily react to that control me, you know? Like what are the kinds uh -huh. of addictions and things like that? So that that's immediately the application that came out of that, which goes back to my training. That I'm going to talk about in a little bit, but um, anyway, uh, there's other stories, but but I you know I think that's sufficient. So around this time is when my, my parents got divorced, and so we had moved uh, further away uh, to where these orange girls were. This is where. I have a scar right here where an older boy that I pissed off. I don't know what I did, but I pissed him off. He threw a rock and hit me right there. I still got the scar from it. And the orange groves were awesome. In fact, I prayed for orange, uh, an orange grove in the house where the first house we bought, you know, and, and that's that we actually got that, you know, the, in fact, I was laying on the floor of the house. We moved in, we've got everything we had moved in. And I'm laying there. I'm talking to Bob, my, my, my wife's father, my, I call him Pop. And uh, I go, Pop, I just remembered the prayer when I was at Randolph Street because I had taken their house and fixed it up and we lived there for about a year and a half. And then we loaned them a bunch of money. We thought, well, okay, we won't get our house right away. And then uh, her brother calls us up and says, hey, you need to come to this house. Check this out. I got a friend that lives out there. It's really awesome. And it had fallen out of um, um, escrow a couple times, four times. And so it was an FHA house. So it was it was $100,000. And it was 20, almost 2,200 square feet, single story ranch style house on an acre and a third, which, you know, out here is crazy cheap. You know, this is 19, 1983. So, so I'm laying there and the Lord, I, I think it was the Lord just going, son, here you go. You know, you asked for it, here you are. And I stood up and I walked out there and I stood on the little patio before I built my own patio. I'm looking at the orange grove and I'm looking at a single story, single story ranch house, lots of land, orange grove, a means to get horses and ride them. And I go, Lord, you, you checked them all off. You know, there you go. I mean, he's, he's just always doing the far seemingly above all you can ask or think. Oh yeah, for sure. So, uh, so the orange groves, you know, in second grade, there was Lisa, this, this little gal that I became fond of and her mom let me come over and we would had lunch there and so forth. And then, um, that was, that was kind of sweet. Um, it's also where one of our babysitters got trounced. My dad showed up. I, I forget exactly what happened, but I think she tried to stick my brother's head in the toilet <laughs> and I don't think she did anything to me. I don't think it's because she was scared of me. Maybe I was being okay. Or I just don't remember our memories of that whole period in our lives is pretty much, you know, jumbled and not very much. Kristen, who's my surviving sister, uh, my my oldest sister, Vicky, passed away in, um, uh, I want to say, 80, 80 or 81. She got a uh, 
cancer tumor on her neck. It's horrible. Um, but she helped, she helped bring me to Christ. She didn't share the gospel with me, but she, she fed me things. Because uh, I want to, I want to get to share my my testimony of how I received Christ. Because you guys might recognize the verse that the Lord used to bring me to the Lord. But um, anyway, I was I was a reader. I read all kinds of stuff. I would force my brother to distract the storekeeper because they used to keep the comic books on these racks. So I would go in there read Superman, Batman, Flash. Emerson would love that. Um, and then Aquaman, I really liked too because. You know, we move, end up moving down to Balboa Peninsula and Huntington Beach, which is, you know, obviously they're beachside cities. And so I, I, you know, got good with fishing, got good with, you know, I wasn't a great surfer, but I was a good body surfer and boogie boarder and stuff like that. Um, and down there, they have these awesome chocolate frozen bananas. So every, every time I see one of those, I think about being eight years old and being down there. Then my mom had some friends. She was, she was in the bar a lot. We didn't know where she was a lot. We were alone a lot. But she had some buddies that were working these stands where you could rent these, these rowing things that you can, uh, like, uh, it's kind of a boat, but it's like a cart that you can row. And it's got a, it's got a uh, paddle, you know, that you turn with the pedals. And you can turn it. And they, got, they had uh, boards and little kayaks and stuff. And I used to run around and, they taught me, I got them to teach me how to use fiberglass and resin. And then they also had a location at the back bay area. It's called the Newport Dunes. So people in this, uh, the SoCal B-Dads group will know all this stuff. Um, but uh, they had they had these Cabot uh, sailboats and people would take them out and get stuck. The winds would be very strong. And and I used to love this. They'd call me up and, Greg, go out there and rescue that, you know, six, 17-year-old boy trying to impress that 16-year-old girl. So I'd swim out there and I'd hop in the boat and, you know, get them out of there. And, and uh, I just loved doing that, you know, seeing how long I used to run everywhere. So I'd run around the other side. It was like a little half moon bay. So those were, those were fun memories and difficult times. And um, you mentioned something, a chocolate frozen banana. I yeah. had one for the very first time when I was in Yuba city. Nice. Oh, Actually that, that other town we went to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that street, that street fair. What was that? Yeah, yeah. I do remember seeing that now. Yeah. So everybody was surprised that I hadn't had something like that already because you know Minnesota's everything on a stick. But so <laughs> yeah, I was that perked my ears up when you said that. So yeah, nice, nice backfill. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, a lot of good memories. Big Ferris wheel, the arcades, and I used to scam and get money and. My, my first job was looking for coins out in the dumpster area and I, they have these like pits along the beach. And I used to, I used to get, you know, quite a bit of money out there. I found a watch and some other stuff. That was like my first job. My second job was working, although I think it paid money, but work, working on the bay and back in the dunes. So I was always very industrious and, and, you know, back in kindergarten, um, I skipped this story cause this is important, but I remember building this, this concept that I had, for these blocks and it was really big and these kids came over and jumped on it and the blocks fell on my head. And I remember it hurting, but the thing that really hurt the most was I, I there was one block I didn't finish putting in and I was mad. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to put it in there. So I'm, I'm a very detailed guy. I'm a very, you know, architecture, big picture guy and, you know, very much a finisher. Like if you want a nice finished guy for like painting or cabinet work and wood, wood and things like that, or, 
like I'm a copywriter, so making sure the diction or the syntax or the structure or, you know, English, you know, uh, not Robert's Rules of Porter, that's something else. No, English style, elements of style, yeah, of that book. They, they give the directions on how to write and do things properly. But anyway, so I, you know, so between my mom and my dad, so my, my mom, when she moved back to inland Huntington, she married Bud, who was very good to us. We, you know, those, those were two years of our, the, probably the happiest years of our childhood. My dad was, my, my dad was, my, both my mom and my dad weren't raised well. She was put into foster homes and she was in 11 foster homes. And she was very lively. Um, her high school uh, book has a lot of people commenting that she was, really fun stuff like that. My dad was one of six boys. His dad died when he was 10 and his mom used to beat the crap out of him. And he told me some stories. He didn't tell me until I was over 40. And I said, man, dad, I go, I really wish you would have told me this sooner. I mean, I understand why you didn't, but it's not anything that you're proud of, but it would have helped me to understand you better, you know, because you're so hard to love. No, I didn't say that, but uh, I kind of wanted to. <laughs> Mary looks up, just smiles. <laughs> I can relate to that. <laughs> but, you know, he did take us to, to dude ranches. I do remember a couple of trips. My dad tried to be a good father, and he loved his father, and he wanted to be that for us. Um, and so we developed a love for horses and hats and cowboy boots. We all still wear hats and cowboy boots, <laughs> even though nobody's got horses. You know, my, my sister left showing off her 4th of July cowboy boots. She sent me another one this year. <laughs> hey, I'm in Minnesota and I wear cowboy boots and a hat. So you, right? it's yeah. okay. Yeah. But, um, but we, so we went back and forth between mom and dad. And, and so that, that, so I went to a different school almost every year and my dad worked in the aerospace. So he was always moving employers. So I don't, I don't have that kind of continuity where you've got that, you know, especially kind of an energetic kid like me that was kind of, I, I don't know if I would say strong-willed. Well, maybe, maybe I was, but um, but someone that, you know, can really, like, keep you on the straight and narrow, you know, to have consistency and habits and do the difficult things, be encouraged when you fail, none of that. I mean, I all I remember is many times crying, beating my head on a pillow because I didn't understand what was going on. I was pissed off. And I was frustrated with myself. Like, how come I can't figure this out and get this changed? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was a tough time. So when I was in my senior year, coming up to the time I received the Lord, I had moved out of my mom's place, and I, I was living with a guy named Bob, and I worked with him at the Penny Saver, which is a it's a it's a uh, kind of like a, a hard copy version of of uh etsy or uh you guys have craigslist yeah yes oh yeah so it's like yeah. that and uh man that was that was a tough job i had I had a lot of difficult jobs my favorite job was when i was 15 or 14 i told everybody i was 16 i would wash their cars detail i'd give them a great price but then i would i would say i tell them oh, i'll be right back i'm just gonna air dry it real quick i just haul ass down the street <laughs> <laughs> they get back you know it's like I think it's done, you know. I, I you know, I was a, I was a good finishing guy, so they'd always go, "Wow, this is like amazing." And I'm going, "Ah, baby, that's what I'm talking about." So that's how I that's how I roll. Yeah. <laughs> so now, so getting into um, 
uh, my senior year. So I'm back in Huntington again. And um, no, I worked at a gas station where it was 16 cents a gallon. They had they had gas wards because the oil companies had, hadn't vertically integrated everything from the field to the to the fuel pump. And it was competition. And uh, I, I got a car that was demolished by a gal that turned, made a left turn, turn turn right in front of me. It was a 59 Bonneville. It was huge with those big wings on the side. And you guys ever seen that? Um, so I, right after that, I got a job at a hardware store. And, and then this GTO I'm going to tell you about is critical. So I'm working in the store and I'm just going, what am I going to do for a car? I don't, you know, I'm starting to save up my money. My mom was a, an accountant. She got me like four or five different jobs where she worked. And so I, I'm pricing stuff out. And I hear this, you know, the, the big glass windows in the front of the store, like shaking, they're rattling. I'm going, yeah. what the crap? What is that? You know, so I, I throw everything down. I run up front and I see this 64 GTO with the horizontal headlights uh, that look like the Chevelle. Nice. It was black. And it had for sale on the back passenger window. And I'm going, no Ooh. way. It's like $900. And I, I already had saved up 500 bucks. $900? So $900. <laughs> that was a lot of money back then, Mary. Yeah, you had like <laughs> about was, three zeros pretty, to that now if you had one. pretty cheap. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cheap. I mean, tri-power, vacuum, vacuum-controlled uh, carburetors. I forget the, the term for that was power power linkage or power vacuum a 389 360 horse uh four uh 455 close um positive traction rear end a 220 uh trans uh, trans uh close ratio transmission and it was really good good condition too and uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend i know exactly what you just said well, it's all the drivetrain <laughs> stuff. I mean, when I would floor, when you drive around, it runs on one little two-barrel carburetor. But when you floor it, the vacuum would would decrease, and the 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 other two carburetors would open up, and that car would lift up. I mean, your head would be thrown back, you know. Wow. And I would take it to the Orange County uh, Raceway and and race it. I forget what the times I would turn. It wasn't fantastic, but I didn't care. Um, so anyway, the Lord used that car later on, and I'll tell you why. Uh, or how so i had begun uh, so my sister my my sister vicky my oldest sister had given me uh back to eden a, a book on a natural medicinal healing by jesso Kloss, who was a medical missionary and that was the first concept of something that really really fired me up the idea of being a medical missionary uh i didn't know i didn't know christ i i, I didn't know anything about the bible i had started to read eastern um uh, I would say Zen Buddhism, Hinduism. I was reading Krishnamurti, Alan Watts, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, Self-Realization Fellowship, which had a structure up in Fullerton, which is where I ended up going to school and where I met my wife and where I was fellowshipping for years later. But I, I took my bike and I rode all the way up there from Huntington to Fullerton. I don't know, that's got to be at least 20 miles. And I had all these expectations going in there. And it was, it was like empty, right? It was very dead. You know, I was expecting warm welcome. Like I liked some of the experiences I was having out, out in the desert where people would go out there with very little or next to nothing on, you know, in, in the streams and the waters. And it was all very cool and platonic and all that. But it was nothing. It was very dead. So my, I talked to my dad. I go, 
So, so dad, have you read the Bible? He goes, yeah, I read it five times. Why? I go, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of curious. I wouldn't tell him I was writing the Bible. But uh, so I ended up, so I started in Genesis. So I'm getting, I'm getting up to it, Ron. You'll love this. So I'm starting in Genesis and I, I, I read through that. And I'm blown away by Exodus. I'm blown away by Genesis and Exodus. I mean, uh, there were several stories that really just struck out to me because, oh, I skipped over something. So when I was, I mentioned living with Bob and he had a friend that told him that she had prayed that God would reveal himself to her. And this was me living in an apartment before I went to my mom's where I, I you know, I just left off. I jumped out of that story. Uh, so this is, I'm, so I'm doing a flashback. And I, I remember standing on the sidewalk with him right now, like it was yesterday. And he said, yeah, my friend prayed that God would reveal himself to her. And I go, he, she, what? I, I looked at him like, like I want to grab his shoulders, like say that again, you know, tell me that again, because it was one of those ideas that I'd never had before. And it just hit me like, like I got God smacked, you know, and I, right. I just, the possibilities to me were like, like, it just like broke me. Like, you no, know, can this be, you could pray that God would reveal himself to you. And he, and so I asked, I asked, well, what happened? What happened? Because well, he didn't really know. And I just go, well, I'm going to start praying that and I, I was as energetic and as, as earnest as I am right now. I mean, I was totally blown away. And, um, and I had another experience there with him where I had, um, you know, we were taking pot and a little bit of mescaline and LSD and stuff like that. And I'd ridden the bike down to the beach and I never had, I never had any experiences where like, I wasn't looking for any kind of experience. I was always kind of looking for insight, you know, to get my mind expanded. And I, I could break that down, but you know that's that's probably enough to say. But so I rode my bike, and when I and I rode my bike back, and so that probably was 15 miles each way. And um, so when I came back to the apartment, I, I looked at the cat on the on the kitchen counter, and the cat looked like it was on fire. I mean, not literally on fire, but it had like this stretched orange. It was an orange cat, and I go, okay, well that's really weird. Now I need to like take some deep breaths and settle down. I said, well, maybe I need to go to sleep. So I, I went to go lay down and every thought that I had would turn into a movie. You know, it was like, holy crap. You know, you know, the, the scene in, in um, um, what's the Disney uh, elephant movie? Um, where they had the elephant dream. What's the uh, name Dumbo? Of Dumbo. Dumbo. Yeah. And he has, he has the dream. You know, these crazy elephants and everything in the dream. It was kind of like that where. Uh, everything I thought of just turned into a movie and I go, okay, I'm getting scared. And it wasn't really so much a prayer, but it kind of was, but then all of a sudden I just said, well, what have I got to be afraid of is God, if God is with me and I kid you not, I did not see a white cloud blanket coming down over me, but it, it felt. Like so I, I saw something, but I felt it more than I saw it. And that, and I, I was all of a sudden I was asleep and it was a morning time. You know, I, I remember feeling that way and waking up and just going, what the heck happened there? You know, but then I looked at my, my, the way I felt my body and everything. I just go, I think my life is changing. You know, I had that distinct, you know, impression. So if now, any of you could see, if you, if you guys could just see Greg right now explaining this, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> It's, I just love that when people are just explaining that feeling of 
God really manifesting in you in your life. And yeah. you're just you're just describing. I wish I really wish people could see this because it's pretty, pretty incredible. So keep going. Well, Sorry. Imagine, imagine how I felt, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was, I was so, you know, I just say God smacked. I, I was so startled. I was so, I mean, there's been a number of these incidents. I'm hoping I can get to how much time do I have? I've got what another, another good half an hour at yeah. least. Yeah. 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 Okay. So. <laughs> Oops, I hit the mutilate. Sorry. Um, when I get these respiratory things, they stay a really long time. You know, I get these nasal things in my chest things. So I had started in, in the scriptures and I was reading through and, I, and you know, people like Moses, uh, Melchizedek, you know, right, right off the bat, Abraham, the, 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 the key figures of scripture stood out to me from the narrative as I was reading it. Again, I knew nothing about the Bible. I had a King James. I was never bothered by the language. Couldn't understand why people were bothered by the language. Um, but I'm kind of a literary guy. So um, I got to Leviticus and I sort of dropped into the mud. I go, I, I don't see this. I mean, Leviticus now, honestly, is what, like one of my favorite books in the Bible. But uh, so I hopped out and I jetted over to the Gospels. I probably read them five to ten times, probably closer to ten than five. And just praying to it all. And, you know, John was and has always been my favorite gospel and my favorite apostle. Yes, Paul is awesome. But you got the book of Revelation, what can I say? So anyway, the <laughs> so I, I got into the gospels. And then, so, I mean, I'm praying through these verses. I'm asking the Lord to, to be my resurrection and life. I'm asking him to bring light into me. I'm, I'm praying that he would, his word would be manifested to me like it was in his own body, you know, John 1, 14. Uh, and the word became flesh and, and he tabernacled amongst us. And later on, that verse became one of my central anchoring verses for the concept of the house of God, the dwelling place of God, which I probably won't get to today. But but it's like, it's you know, uh, like David said in the, uh, let's see, Psalm... Yeah, Psalm 27, 4. This one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that prayer, along with some other scriptures, like in Psalms, really struck me. And I began a, a real deep dig on the on the nature of the house of God and his dwelling place in our hearts, in our bodies, in our marriages, in our homes, in our communities. And um has helped me to deal with a real problem that exists in Christianity today. I, I, I would say there's two primary problems in our theology and, or the way that we, we think about the Lord and then the word of God and our mission in life, you know, the arena. Um, one is that we have a more of a Greek view than a Hebrew view. A Greek view is, is very binary. You know, it's very analogous, analogous to the digital virtual metaverse that we're we're in right now and have been you know lifted up on back in the early 1900s and the mid 1800s when we got away from common law in the constitution so we were we were put into a uh, a rough form of the of the digital uh alternate reality and then the other thing is uh, ant antinomianism which is 
so it's it's um, neo neoplatonism is the first label which means uh, it's a newer form of plato's idea because greek thought is like i said spiritual is is immaterial and material is evil and you see it in the way people look at scripture today and that's that that becomes a um, a barrier for people to think about doing the common things of life in an uncommon way that's a form of stewardship and love in christ and everybody's just waiting for the rapture and to be taken out so the world has a vacuum the, when good men do nothing evil prospers and that's kind of one of the reasons for it i believe the other issue is antinomianism which is lawlessness and i think the reason for that is because when we think of the law of god we don't have a positive view of it we call the old testament the old testament which you know there's a reason for that but there's a better name for it that i think is more suitable for how we brand and characterize things in our mind the words we choose to use determines the energy of our thoughts and the power of our actions oh, let me put that 100 percent agree yeah yes. so if we use what they call the old testament they call it the tanakh which is t and k or t t a n u u c h or u k but but the the hebrew often gets devoweled where they use just the consonants and they try to put everything down into, into, into three letters so t and k so the t is for torah the n is for um naftali i believe it is and the k is ketuvim which is the writing so it's it's the torah it's the law the prophets and the writings so when you think of the prophets it's, it's the historical books um first and second kings first first and second chronicles uh, the writings would be the psalms what we call the uh the uh, um songs oh well, no the the proverbs song of solomon and psalms and um ecclesiastes i'd say that and um yeah. um there's another book but there's a there's a a, a descriptor for that type of literature mm -hmm. um I just can't remember what it is right now. So anyway, so so by by thinking about what we call the Old Testament as the Tanakh, we put ourselves onto a different footing. So it's like being able to see something from a different you stand, take five steps, and all of a sudden you can see the sunset or the, the sailboat coming or whatever. You see it completely differently. And I'm I'm a real big fan of that of that principle. And I've been using it, you know, probably from my earliest days in my study of the scriptures which I want to get into uh, because it's so profound and, and, and I, you know, it was just given to me. It was answer to prayer. So, so the verse that I prayed, when I got into uh, Acts, um, I got into Acts and I got into the book of Romans. And then I got to chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And Ron, what does that verse say? That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved. And I and I and you'll just love this. I had my instance going, you know, from reading about Leviticus and 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 Exodus and so forth. I had my frankincense instance going. I'm on my knees on my bed, and I, you know, I just I didn't have a special prayer cloth or anything like that. I just picked up some stuff. You know, those were the hippie days, right? That was the beginning of the Jesus freak movement. And uh, and I'm praying. And I, I'm I'm flipping. I get to Romans eight and nine, and I get to chapter ten. I stop right there, and I go, "Wait!" I go, "Okay, this says I need to confess with my mouth." But I remember saying to the Lord, "I go, but Lord, 
I think you're already my Lord. I think, I think I'm already saved. I said, but wait a minute. It says I need to confess. I need to say it with my mouth. Okay, I'm, that's what I'm doing right now, Lord. So I said, you are my Lord and my Savior. And I said, thank you for saving me. Yeah. Just like that. Just like, just like, just like a child. It's beautiful. I kid you not, man. The next day I woke up and I go, my life has changed, you know, mm. just completely. And I went to all my friends. I'm going to say all my friends. I mean, my friends were kids I grew up with five years ago because <laughs> I moved around and, and where my mom was living, I had some of the friends and, but uh, I, I share Christ with everybody. I had, I had one friend that hung with me the longest that he, he goes back the longest with me. We used to ride around his VW and listen to Led Zeppelin and smoke joints and do circles, <laughs> do donuts in the school yard where we both went to school and he tried to fight me. He's, he was much smaller than me and he was trying to, he was pissed about something. I forget what it was. He was and he was, he's a very tough kid. I mean, very, very strong. But I said, you know, he's my friend. I could fight him. And I, I would, I would, if I get into a fight, I'm, I'm going to take him down, but I don't want to do that. He's got some stupid thing going on. He's got to stick up his butt or something. And he hit me in the stomach and I didn't do anything. I just looked at him and everybody was gathered. What's Greg going to do now? You know, and I just stood there and I go, are you done? And he just, oh, yeah, he just turned away. So he, he stuck with me and he goes, Greg, you're a Jesus freak. I go, what do you mean I'm a Jesus freak? What's that? He goes, that's the people, you know, they're on the Bible and they get together and they sing and all that. I go, well, they get together and sing. I go, I, I want to do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I go, we want to do that. He goes, you got to find this friend I work with at, at, at work. And he, they're working at a motorhome place. Now I already had worked in a, uh, they're at a trailer, you know, not a UL trailer, but a nice RV trailer. I'd worked at a motorhome place already. My mom had gotten me that job. And that was another one of the jobs. She got me like four jobs. And working in the hardware store, I found that where I got that GTO. She got me that job too. She was an accountant. But um, he goes, yeah, 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 you got to meet this guy. I need Paul. So I go, cool, yeah. I, I, plus I need work. Maybe I can get a job there. So I met Paul. We hit it off right off the way. He's super energetic like I was. He's like, let's go, man. Let's fly. Let's, let's get this thing done. You know, Let's get the word out. Let's share the gospel. And uh, so we had a Bible study there. We had some of the people there. And I go, Paul, we need to get a house together. Let's get a bunch of guys together. We need to get serious. We need to get, get the gospel out. We, we got a bunch of crap in our lives we got rid of. We got to get this thing done. He goes, yeah, yeah. I, I know just a place. So it was in Garden Grove, which was not far from Calvary Chapel. It was a Calvary Chapel house at one time, of which they had several. And, and I thought, well, uh, cool, let's go there. And so I go, well, what's Calvary Chapel? And so I went, I went there. And um, uh, actually, I went there first before we went to the house. I went to Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith. He was back in the original chapel. This is like before the 10, before you know, probably at the very beginning of that movie that just came out that I haven't gone to go see because I'm not interested in it. And Lonnie was there. If you guys seen the movie, I saw him walking around with his big white robes and all this crap. And everybody's hugging Jesus each other. Revolution. Yeah. Jesus yeah. Revolution. That's Jesus Revolution. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm just rolling here. You know, just stop me. You got to pull me hard now because I'm I'm on a roll. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's awesome. Just so keep going. This this is the scene. The scene was amazing. So Paul, he's got these big brown eyes, kind of like Brian Tomeo does, and and uh, um, or Tomeo, and he's hugging, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm looking around. I'm going, wait a minute, now. I, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I, I don't have a problem being affectionate, but 
but I, you know, I, I wasn't trying to be holy. I was just, I was stunned by all the familiarity and I just got really uncomfortable with some of the other things they were doing. And so I said, you know what, Paul, uh, you know, you, you can stay here, but I, I, I need to find something else, someplace else. That's not what I'm looking for. I was looking for a navigator. You guys heard the navigators? No, no. The navigators. No. So, uh, I've got the, the father of the navigators. His name was Leroy Imes and I've got his book, the lost art of disciple making the navigators use the inductive Bible study method that I used during these seven years between, um, 71 and 70 and 77 for about seven years. I was asking the question in every chapter of the Bible. I've st I've done this in every chapter of the Bible. Uh, well, except for maybe, maybe Jeremiah. I think I've done it with Isaiah and Ezekiel. All the minor prophets I've, I've gone through, but, but I was involved in like five to seven Bible studies a week. I was either leading them or in them. And we would all get together after we spent our hour to two hours. Some of us would spend three hours with our tools. We didn't believe in the commentaries and just go through the passage and ask the question, what does it say? What does it mean to me? What am I going to do about it? Give it a title, give it, you know, uh, give it um, a memory verse if you wanted to, to sort of like, but so I had all these, I had all these studies and books and books and books, which I threw away a long time ago, which I, stupid um i was moving so that was stupid but these are these are meditations on my knees for hours at five in the morning i'm a morning person when i wake up like i'm I'm ready to go like let's go you know when i wake up and so i, I do this for hours so i had bible studies at school uh we had a wednesday night we had a saturday morning uh we do old testament on saturday mornings we would do a mid-afternoon uh, study. And then our worship services were, like I said, we would get together and somebody would sing a song. Somebody would pray. Somebody would read a, a verse of scripture. Somebody would stand up and give a five-minute message. And this would go on for an hour and a half. And there would, get, there would come a time where we would just sort of say, okay, well, it seems like it's kind of, you know, I mean, it's amazing how things would start interlocking where it became like a single, a single voice, a single story mm -hmm. where someone's prompted because of something that someone said that that verse and that hymn or that song reminds me of this passage I was meditating on. So they turn it into a form of praise. And it's just this amazing tapestry of faith and, and, and love and, and unity. And so, you know, brothers would get up, you know, I wasn't very good at it. I'm not really much of a, much, much of a public speaker, but even though I get in tons of presentations to large groups. I disagree um, with that. My wife is like a natural. Oh my gosh. Like we're, I've served as an elder in a couple of congr I'm skipping around. I'm sorry. I, I was trying to keep this. Okay. You want I was going to interject something actually. So when you were just describing that about the flow of the, of, you know, cause we're the church, right? So it's yeah, not right. the building, it's, it's the people Absolutely. and how you were, you were describing that of just the flow and how people were um, so connected in that yeah. way. Like, you know, there was a yeah. song and the prayer and then the message and all of that. It just, I had this picture of how um, God describes us as the body. Yeah. Right. We're two or three, uh, you know, we're all connected, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. that's a perfect example of how church quote unquote church should be. So thank you for describing that in a uh, interesting way. So thanks. 
Yeah, and it's it's very uh, it's very ingrained into me as a optimal model of being together as a family of God, and and whenever someone says accept Jesus, I my my hair goes up. When someone says going to church, my hair goes up. What's the other big one that I go crazy about? Um, well, those those two are sufficient, but. Um, it's been rare to find, you know, interestingly, in, in, the, in the Church of Christ, like at Pepperdine, where our son went to college, uh, that dean of the students said something to me that really helped me. Um, it was profound. You know, basically, your children are dependent upon you all, all, all their lives. They have to become independent, so later on, they can become interdependent. And so I spent a lot of time with Marcel, socializing that with her, like what that could look like. You know, because we weren't, we weren't, I don't think overbearing, but we were persuasive with our children. And, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we had, we did chapter summary. We would call it chapter summary, that Bible study method I was telling you about, Mary. Yeah. Mary. yeah. We call it a chapter summary. So, I mean, basically, can you imagine going through, you know, one of the epistles where in each chapter you spent a good two hours and breaking that structure down. Well, verses one to three is about the eternal covenant with Christ. Ephesians chapter one, I'm doing this right now in my head. You know, chapter four to eight is the salutations and greetings to the, to the Ephesians. And then you've got uh, the prayer that, that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation of him versus uh, 14 to 18, you know, chapter one. I mean, this is going back to the seventies. You know, and having studied it back then. And the thing is, is that when you're praying, when you're in a situation, it's like having your clip handy. You know, yes. it's like, you know, you, you've got that scripture right there. And, you know, Proverbs 6 and, and Deuteronomy. Um, Deuteronomy 6 and Proverbs 6 talks about tying the, the scriptures around our necks so that um, that when we walk, it would speak to us and that when we would turn it would it would instruct us and so so the word of god uh in, in the way that it's describing it and that's why they wore the phylacteries those little boxes where they have the scripture on their foreheads that's where it's binded on your heads they took it literally it's like when when the when the scripture says leviticus to not cut the, sh the corner of your beards why those guys have those trailing uh tails on their side of their faces yeah it's, it's from that verse the verse is saying don't cut your sideburns off completely like the way guys do right now because it's effeminate. So what do they do? They turn it into don't cut it at all. And so they have these stupid, you know, hair yeah. things dripping down, you know, it's like yeah. earlocks. It's yeah, there you go. Crazy. But anyway, so uh, so the idea is that we we get into a position or a relationship with scripture where we're dependent upon it because of the way that we approach it and how we value it up front. And so it then becomes living because now you're you you open it up and it's like, you know, now I can open up any passage, almost any passage, and teach from it. Yeah. Just right away. Or if someone says something like in chat, well, you made that comment earlier. The reason for that is because I have that recall still. And I actually stopped studying the scriptures because I found that with most people, when I start talking, I would just overwhelm them. I'm I'm like a fire hose. And as much as I try to self-calibrate, I, you know, I, I don't. And so, as my wife says, Greg, you think far more deeply and with language most people don't use, you have to recalibrate, you know. And she reminded me of that today. And I go, yeah, yeah, honey, good, good, good words. I'll try. <laughs> so, but she knows me well. Uh, 
should after 43 years. Um, so, um, that's in itself is amazing. Congratulations on that. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I definitely got the better end of the deal. Oh my gosh. I got to tell you about how I met her. Um, so I'm at the, I'm at the literature table at, at Fulton community college just before I went to Cal state. And so, Oh, I, I also I have to tell you about the open air preaching thing. I'll do that. I'll do that second. So I'm at the table. I'm sharing. I'm talking to people, you know, explaining. I've got my Bible open. I'm, you know, I've, I'm talking to two or three different people. And Diane comes over, who later on became a journalist major. And she there was there were some sisters that when they did their chapter summer, you just sit back as like you're listening to Oswald Chambers or Charles Spurgeon or A.W. <laughs> Tozer or. Eugene Peterson. Oh, Eugene Peterson has a book, Earth and Altar. It's on my list, by the way. It's super, super good. But uh, I tell you what, man, when people would share this one part, I'm, I know I skipped around, but when people would share their their studies and they, they would say, oh, uh, Mary, what, what does it say to you? Oh, Ron, what does it say to you? Oh, Greg, what does it say to you? And then, okay, so uh, um, truth, truth patriot, uh, what, is, what does it mean to you? And, and living, what does it mean to you? And, and, and okay, what are you going to do about it? You know, so Scott, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Mayor, what are you going to do about it? You know, it's like application. So you, yep. Application. Yeah. What does it say? You, know, you, you give it, you give a, you, you, you try to keep, you try to create a literal condensed, instead of emoting about, it, I should, I should actually instruct on what it is. So it's, you create a structural summary of a section of the passage or the chapter it helps you see exactly what it says. You get to the facts. You get, you get to what it says, not what you want it to mean, not what you got out of it, how, not how it made you feel. What does it say? And that first question is key to letting the word of God be your foundation and from, as, as your foundation to be able to make your declarations to the external world, right? Yeah. To say to yourself or to say to an enemy or to say to the heavens, this shall not stand you know, or this, this shall be, you know, because you've, you've looked at the word of God carefully. And so the next question is, what does it mean? Which is like, well, why is that important? You know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. What does that mean? Why is that important? And then what am I going to do about it? It's a question of application. So you have spiritual teaching or instruction, spiritual meaning and spiritual application and the word spiritual is there because it's the idea of being connected being connected to father through the spirit to serve christ so that's that's it in a nutshell so I'm, back to my back to, i'm posting that in there okay yeah, yeah that's that's really good uh way to explain it i'm familiar with the inductive method the word, the word inductive itself is also very no, 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 i won't get into that i'll get back to my okay. wife okay but, yeah but, you know, I, I would like to start a study, and, and I just love listening to, I just love Nikki, first of all. I feel really bad for her that she's really suffering the way she is. But and I just, I just, I just so enjoy her. I love her accent and her just, just kicking it up and getting out the books and breaking things open and nailing it, you know, just like, that's so Nikki. I yeah. just, I just love it. Talking about Nikki but, Knight, Nikki All In for Sisters in Scripture. Awesome, awesome yeah. podcast. I love it myself. Amen. Yeah, Amen, brother. Great show. So um to 
to start going through some some chap some books and, and going through this method together with people and turning on the the call in feature so I could say, hey Ron, what did you get? You know, and then to Mary, what'd you get? You know, and have have people turn off and on and and uh, make it a, a group thing because when you when you take your time to do that work and you hear what someone else got, you go, oh, I think about that. You know, yeah. instead of making that break at one versus one to five. If I made it to one to six, I would incorporate this verse into that instead, instead of seeing a part of this, that would complete that thought. Well, that whole process right there is you are you are doing Psalm Psalm one. You know, blessed is the blessed is the man who oh my gosh, I forgot that. Blessed is the man who meditates on the word. Holy crap, I've forgotten Psalm one. No I can't even way. help you because I'm a blank too. Um, okay, this is too good. I, I can't. I can't let it go. Somebody look it up. Mimo is in the no, chat. I'll do, it, I'll do it super quick. Where's Insidious when you hear? Where's Insidious at? Uh, I forgot. I How come it's not coming up? Yeah, bliss is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or set foot on the path of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers but his his delight is in the law of the lord and on his law he meditates day and night he is like a tree planted by streams of water yielding its fruit in its season whose leaf does not wither and who prospers in all that he does now what i you know psalm 19 this psalm here is like a, a little intro to psalm 19 and psalm 19 is an intro to psalm 119 i've gone through these three psalms and looked at every hebrew word that's associated with some sort of a of a of a um, a principle or a law or a statute or an ordinance and to try i came up with a i came up with a structure that represented a hierarchy of specificity or of of absoluteness so that you could say well this word is is like recommended this word decree that's not recommended, but it, I mean, it's it's not recommended because it's mandatory, but that's mm -hmm. also a high level of generality. So so everything I do, I, it's, it's, I'm free to be to interpret the specifics, but I have to make sure the specifics are consistent with the whole, with the decree, whereas yes. the statutes and the ordinances, I don't have context, but it's very specific. And so I I don't like rules. I don't like I don't like the word morality. I don't like right and wrong. Those words to me are kind of foul uh, because it's contrary to the notion of the tree of life. If I'm in him or I'm not in him, if I'm pleasing him or if I'm not pleasing him, yeah. that's that's a criteria that we're supposed to live by. Not, see, I said supposed, that's that's another word that's part of the, the right and wrong, good and bad metaphor. Mm -hmm. And he wants us to identify in him. And when we're not in him, we acknowledge it, we confess it. To confess means to agree. As soon as we take that condition that we're separated in, we externalize that out, we separate ourselves from it, then we're free to become attached to him and then we're cleansed of that. We're washed away because yeah. the word, the revelation of what that is, washes that away. So now we're 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 joined back with him. So that's and that's the condition of righteousness. Righteousness describes the fellowship of the Father and the Son. And we have his righteousness. He prayed for that in John 17. I pray that they may be with me where I am with that was with you before the world began, mm -hmm. and that they may be with me as I am with you, and that they may be one with me as I am with you. Yes. And so that is the, the righteousness of God. And so is that describing the um process of sanctification? 
Is that what you're getting at? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I stay away from that just because it has so much baggage with it. And I, 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 I really center on the word righteousness because yeah. it's a word that's neglected and yet it's so central in scripture and it's so <laughs> consistent with what it is he's looking for, you know, yeah. the kingdom, you know, we pray for if, you know, blessed are you if you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness it shall be given to you. Yes. Yes. I agree. Oh, so, don't forget about your wife. Talking about your oh, wife. Yeah, yeah the table. Oh my gosh, this is so good because I can still see her like yesterday. <laughs> yes. My my wife is. I don't have any pictures of her with me. And I mean, she. I, I when I look at when I look at her, like the pictures I don't have framed on the on the, that's commonly available. When I go back to older pictures, I look at her. I go, Oh my gosh, she was so cute. <laughs> I mean, she's beautiful now. I mean, she's absolutely beautiful, but. I just look at her now, kind of like uh, the way I see my daughters. I think my daughters are beautiful and cute. But, but anyway, so um, I'm 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 talking at the table and I'm taking care of people. And I see that Diane's here. I I look quickly over. I see okay, she has a friend with her, or whatever. So I'm taking care of business and so I'm done. I turn around. I go, Diane, what's going on? Go, oh, here's my friend Marcel. And I look at Marcel. And I go, Hi, Marcel. I'm Greg. You know, I shake hands. You know. So we were kind of like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Kind of that's. You know, we dress in suits a lot. I used to go out to the park. We would go out to parks and to Disneyland and to the pier. We had these, we would all, you know, get in cars and go down the pier and just hit it. You know, I remember open air preaching on the pier. I used to fish on. <laughs> <laughs> I just go, what am I doing? Some guy comes out and offers me a beer. I, yeah, I go, no, thanks, man. I don't need it. But once you <laughs> hang around here, man, I got something better for you. <laughs> so one of the elders looked at me. He's like, Greg, tone it down, bro. <laughs> I go, yeah. this is my space. This is where I, this way I flow. That's right. So anyway, it was uh, really a kick. But so, so, you know, I said hi to her and everything. So, so then I focus on her and I'm looking at her. I go, holy crap. She had on this powder. And so she's, you know, imagine these big, dark brown eyes, big twinkly eyes, dark black, thick hair, almost to her waist. And she has this little, you know, she's a size six or whatever, little turtleneck powder blue sweater and oh, you just remember all, every detail this is so she has awesome. all these white jeans that are like sprayed on <laughs> and she's just the cutest our daughter ashley's built like like marcel is and uh i okay 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 she, okay she, she's cute that's fine that's that's great 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 okay okay well i'm gonna say goodbye now i gotta just go to class you know i'm I'm bailing out and i'm like getting recalibrated kind of kind of shipping there for a second and um uh, she goes, oh, I have to go to class too. Okay, so you're going this way? Oh, yeah, okay, great, great, great. So I, I, my class was in a bungalow, so I'm in the middle of the quad, so we're walking about, you know, a good 50, 60 feet, and I have to go up these stairs. She, oh, my class is up here too. I go, your class is up here too? I go, okay, this is... So I went ahead of her because I didn't want to be walking behind her <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> and so, so then I stopped. I let her pass me by. And I go, my class is up here. Yeah, my class is up here too. And her class was across from my class. Wow. So as I turned into my class, I paused. I, okay, I said, okay, now, Lord, what was that? It's like, you know, it's like the cat in the matrix, right? The cat, you know, like, yeah. like there's a glitch there. Like, like, <laughs> like, it's like the earthquake after Jesus, you know, said is done. And he gave up the ghost and the earthquake and the people came out and you know, fulfilling the, 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 the statements of Matthew 23, 24, 25. But uh, anyway, so um, I just remember that, and um, I didn't I didn't marry her till 
um, that was probably 73. We got married in 77. No, no, we got married in 80. What am I talking about? I'm thinking, I'm, I'm trying to calculate Nessa's age, birth, birth year. No, we were, we were married in 80. So that was 74. And I asked her to marry me in 79. So it took me five years. And what did it, and before I get to the open air preaching, what did it was my roommate who knew, who knew Marcel. Marcel is super friendly. She's very shy, very modest. She's still very modest with me, you know, just, you know. But she, she's a great storyteller. She's a kick in the pants. She's like her mother. Her mother used to have people in stitches just all the time. <laughs> she is a great storyteller. And so we, uh, you know, we, we parted ways. I, she fell in love with me more quickly than I did with her. And that was, that was very hard. And so, but she wrote me a note and said, see you later. And, uh, so Kevin, my roommate, said, you know, you're not going to find anybody that loves you the way Marcel loves you. And I thought, well, I don't need to find anybody that loves me. You know, Marcel will tell you, yeah, she says, if I don't get Greg now, nobody's going to get him. He's just going to, he's going to stay single his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but it could be. I am, I'm fairly goal-driven. But anyway, so she, you know, he had shared that with me. And so I thought about that and I go, okay, Lord, you know, so I start praying about it. I started opening up to it. I started, I was in a place I could, you know, consider that. And I mean, my five children and our 11 grandchildren is coming from this decision. That's why I'm spending time on it. But I, I you know this, this is going to be good. I mean, I hope you guys will enjoy this as much as I am thinking about it again. <laughs> but so I said, okay, well, I said, Lord, okay, so now what, are, what kind of a mother do I want for my kids? And I, I tell this to the kids all the time because they love their mother. And they go, Dad, thank you for picking mom. <laughs> <laughs> it was done in prayer. Awesome. It wasn't me. I'm not trying to be fall tumble because I, I know what I am. But, but so uh, John 15, 4. But. I said, okay, what kind of mother? And what about her family? I know her family. Her family's a lot better than my family. I mean, if she knew my family, she'd probably say no to me. And she tells me she jokes about that. When I told her my dad had been married five times, she thought I was kidding. And, and she goes, if, if I would have known that you were serious, I would have seriously thought about, eh, you know, like, America's got talent. <laughs> eh, I don't get the golden buzzer, honey. Come on. I yeah. did it to the my own. Gee. You're worse than Simon Crow. So anyway, uh, so I, I thought about it and I, and so I, other things to keep it shorter. So I said, okay, Lord, this one, I put out my fleece, you know, my getting fleece. Okay. I, so we, we played racquetball together and, and I was thinking, well, she probably still has some racquetball rackets and some balls and stuff. And I forget what happened to mine, but, or maybe I just made up. I needed it. No, I didn't do that. But, but it's what I, so if she, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to ask her if I can borrow her brother's racquetball and, and, um, uh, racquetball racket and balls and then i'll bring it back and if she i can tell that the way she looks at me is whether or not she's forgiven me you know because mm -hmm. i just said hey i'm gonna come on she said, okay sure no no problem and so um she opens up the door and i look at her eyes and okay i'm not gonna cry right now but but she was just so sparkly she looked fantastic it's like fresh i like she wasn't holding and marcel doesn't hold the grudge she either kills you 
or she doesn't hold a grudge. You know, it's one or the other. <laughs> yeah. The, the name Marcel comes from Mars. He's the god of uh, war, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. And she, she's an Aries, which we don't believe in astrology, but, you know, just coincidentally. Um, so I just say that to kind of like build up the profile. <laughs> but, but, you know, she's like wide open, you know, oh, I got it right here for you. And, oh, okay, thank you. Oh, my gosh. I go. So what are you what are you doing tonight? You know, I guess she's not going to say anything to me. Oh, I'm no, I'm available. And so, I mean, that's what began. And three months later, I asked her to, on in, in November. So that was probably in September. I saw her. And then we got married in March in 1980. And the rest is history. Awesome. And so it was her friends when I was in the quad. So to finish off that story, they were shining. They had a mirror. They were shining light on my eyes. They didn't know who I was. They didn't know that Marcel knew me. And and so they they said, oh Marcel, and she came over later on, and, and they go, Greg, uh, they didn't say anything about Greg. They said, Marcel, did you see what we we're doing to that guy out there? And she goes, was that you guys? And she was so pissed off because they knew they were doing it to me, and these were like old friends of hers, and you know, she she's like me. I mean, she has covenantal grace where people don't have to be exactly like her, but that you know they're made by God, and, and God can have something for them, and so. It's up to me to see them the way the Lord sees them. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's why I think about yeah. covenant, common grace or covenant grace. Yes. And so uh, that's how we build. That's that's how we that's why we build a kingdom. That's how we take back our country. We don't do Constantine and we don't do the, the, the blue church like we're seeing out of the leftists right now. What we say is, look, if you have like the angel said to the shepherds, peace on earth, goodwill to men. If you have a peaceful heart and a goodwill, I'm not going to require you to. to to acknowledge Jesus Christ, but hopefully for my life, you're gonna you're gonna envy it, and you're gonna say, well, the only difference between that person and me is Jesus, and then you'll solve that problem, you know. So that's yeah. my sales job on that issue about letting righteousness and the kingdom do their work together and acknowledge righteousness with an unbeliever, because the word righteousness actually, and this is this is a really I'm I'm glad I'm on this because I think it's one of the most important things I have to communicate to you guys is that righteousness does not mean what all the bible dictionary says it means the right thing doing it the right way or whatever no righteousness is a holistic health it is it it's best start to start with the fellowship of the father son and holy spirit the way i had started earlier that it is a holistic health but it's integrated functionality in other words it's uh it's like uh one of my books i think i have it in there by pink the attributes of god is the aseity of god the aseity of god the word aseity means that you know, be, it's probably the greatest attribute of God. It's probably greater than the sovereignty, although they're 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 all intrinsically interdependent with each other, of course. But uh, the sadie of, the sadie of God means that everything is fully engaged all the time in its proper balance and proportion. He's always balanced. Yeah. Yeah. He's always centered. You know, and so his righteousness is that. You know. Uh, the peaceable fruit of righteousness is that what what happens when someone is in a righteous condition their their energy their movement their actions their decisions will resolve issues not create issues yes. and so that peaceableness is finding shared interest being compassionate empathetic and when resistance is needed it's not done in a accus accusatory or condemning way you know it's not done out of a need to feel right or to have power over somebody yes. it's done it's done justice uh, in the Hebrew. The word for righteousness and justice is very much alike. Justice is the process of 
establishing and protecting and perpetuating righteousness. Judgment is the, is the action that one takes that's consistent with justice so that righteousness can form and mature. Okay. That's why yeah. they're, they're the foundation of his throne. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they, they go together. So this is what I this is more what I more broadly call divine metabolism. When you start looking at these key words like faith and peace and grace and endurance and all these key words in Romans chapter five, verse one, and second Peter one, verse three and four, where, where it says we're partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the, the corruption that is in this world through lust. Or uh, Galatians 5, where it talks about the, uh, the, the passions or the works of the flesh and the fruit of mm -hmm. the spirit. Um, these lists are all designed like, like the way your body processes food. Our spirit takes these, these ideas, these truths, and makes them real. And truth in the Greek sense is just an idea. Truth in the Hebrew sense is, is, is the, way, the, the works and ways of God in motion through us. So most Hebrew words are action-oriented. Even faith in the Greek is a, is a verb. Most mm -hmm. people use it as a, so I always say faithing, it's not a noun, you know, so faithing without works is dead, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, therefore, Romans 4, 16, therefore it is by faithing that it might be by grace. So talking to Abraham, um, his faith with Isaac and so forth and going out, you know, into the land that he would be shown. As Oswald Chambers said uh, in his, in his, um, um devotional what was that called it was called my almost for his highest yeah he said abraham knew not where he's being led he only knew and loved the one who was leading so that is that is the, the relationship that knows who the lord is there's an active dependency there and when this language is foreign it's because we're still hard we don't we don't you know we thank you lord for saving me but we're not really walking with the lord right and that kind of leads me into um, kind of the last couple of years for me, you know, so I'm skipping over my eldering. I'm skipping over planning of churches. I'm skipping over raising our kids and our block parties. Um, uh, what about the street preaching? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love to hear about that. Well, uh, how much time do I have? Got some time. Um, about 15 minutes. Maybe I should come back. I don't know, but. Um, About 15 minutes, Ron said, I think. Okay. So I did the open air preaching. I did the preaching on the pier. And then I did, I did, the, I did, well, it wasn't preaching, but it was sharing the gospel in the park. So maybe that's what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, that's but, probably what I'm talking about. So we met, we met on a hilltop and there was a, a, a public facility there. It was called, it was a par parks and recreation department. It's a beautiful old building, still there. There's a really nice, big, beautiful park. People used to throw frisbees. It was kind of like a, like a, a, a cup or a shell. Probably shell would be a better analogy. So kind of swooped up and kind of these sharp edges up here. And people would go out there for lunch. And so we were in our suits. We were in our, you know, shirt and ties and pants and stuff like this. Uh, you know, again, it's like, you know, mid-70s. We look like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons <laughs> and stuff. I used yeah. to love this. I, 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 you know, I, I'm an aggressive apologist and evangelist, too. I've read uh, Kingdom of the Cult by Walter Martin. I read all of uh, um, uh, Evidence that Demands a Verdict, Josh McDowell, 
and his son, Sean McDowell. But I used to really be super strong on this stuff. And I, I wasn't cantankerous or strident with these people, but because a lot of them I really respected. They're, they're working hard and, you know, like, what if, what if they could have their hearts turned to Christ? But yeah. like, I mean, look at Glenn Beck. I mean, that guy's amazing. Yeah. Right. Who's LDS. But anyway, so we would go out two by two. And, and so uh, I would pick different people. Usually I was picking people. I don't know why it was always me picking people, but, but, uh, and I would go out with some sisters. We called each other sisters, brothers, whatever. And, um, I mean, I was really interested in trying to get into like their space, like what they were doing and apologizing for being disruptive, promising to not be very long, uh, just enjoying the park together with you. And I know we're strangers, but we can just chat, you know, just being really, really, you know, dialed in really slow and easy, you know, Um, and I would. I don't know. I don't know. I had, I've always been able to do this. I can always find a way to bring in the Lord with people when they're talking and not being tricky and whatever, but, you know, like speaking out of my life or have you ever thought about, or did you know these kind of opening questions? And, you know, we, we would go out every Sunday and, you know, this was going on for years and I was always at least 50% of the time that I remember um, people would come afterwards. We'd, they'd come up to me and they go, I've been out to this park with a lot of people, but I've never been out with someone like you. So I've, I mean, at first I didn't know what to make of that. And I, I, I don't know that I really understand it because I wouldn't ask them about it, but I thought maybe I'm just a little less robotic or something. I'm just a little bit more, I, I don't know, but I, I do know, well, I was I was a school bus driver for a handicap service when when my mom was the accountant, <laughs> and I I love these kids. I mean, some of them were so fragile, and some were just like a bag of bones. And you know, they hired me because I'm a I'm a big guy. I was super strong and very athletic, and you know, I I was small in football, but I was I was the flanker. It was the blocker, and I was a safety. You were not going to get by me. I was super fast, and when I hit you, you were very sorry I hit you. But I only had one shot because I was going to bounce off otherwise. <laughs> but anyway, so, I mean, I just had a, I had so much fun with these kids. I go, oh, my gosh, Lord, these are so sweet kids. And I, 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 this, I, was, I, I didn't know the Lord at the time. And then when I moved over to Fullerton and, and, you know, got into fellowship up there, I got hired on at the high school district. So I didn't know they gave me the junior high, you know, like, like. We got this nice young, you know, innocent, naive guy. Let's give him the worst bus route. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, so I said, okay, no problem. So the kids pile in there and they and hey, Mr. Williams, all these kids. This one kid out of cast. Hey, Mr. Williams, I'm going to hit you with this cast. I go, I like to see you try. <laughs> so we're you know we're going along and. And so I, I was challenging him. And, and so this is this is not the first day. This is like after a while. I could tell he's like the ringleader. I figure if I take this kid out somehow, the bus will be mine. And that, that's what happened. <laughs> so so he's like challenging me. And I'm, I've got really good peripheral vision. I'm looking up there like this. I'm not letting him on looking. I go, make your move. I forget what his name was. John, make your move, John. 
I go, because otherwise I'm, I'm losing patience. You're almost out of time. He's just sitting there. So then I, I just slowly stopped the bus. And I turn around really quick and he kind of jolted back. <laughs> I go, you're getting off this bus now and you're going to stay off. He goes, I'm not home yet. I go, that's your problem. It's not mine, buddy. You threatened me with a cast. I got really, really scared. So I let you off. <laughs> and I go, that's the story. And I'm sticking to it or something <laughs> like that, you know. I got in trouble for doing that, you know. But I told him, I go, hey, he was a risk of the bus. Well, after that, man, the bus was mine, man. We had so much freaking fun. During the during the winter season, man, the Marines would come down the water. We'd get up to the curb at the same spot where I dropped this kid off. So I, I would tell the kids in the front row, and they, they would all rotate. Okay, you guys, when's the last time you've been on the front row? You know, <laughs> we're working at you know, oh, the system going. Sounds like a fun bus to be. <laughs> yeah. So so the water, you know, it's filled up, filled up to the curb. So the crowning in the road, you can drive down the middle of the road, and it's fairly dry. But as you move over, the water deepens. So I would I would open up the I would move over like this one kid. I honked the horn. He's walking toward me with his raincoat on. He goes, yeah, man, let's go. And he gets down. He hunches on his raincoat. And as I move over, like this huge wave is just, <laughs> just going to wash over this kid. And so the kids get up front. They, they're all screaming. They're all going nuts and everything. And and so when I go by the kid, you know, he's dumping up and down. So then I pull the bus over because every now and then you get new kids. I go, okay, everybody, just just for a moment now, let's just be really quiet. Think about what just happened. Nobody can know. It's like our <laughs> secret, right? And, you know, at the end of the year, uh, everybody goes like, what the heck, Greg? Nobody's ever done this. We gave you like the worst bus. You had no tickets. You had no complaints. Teachers love you. And I go, what can I say? We just had fun. You know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we got to get Paulette and Greg together in the same room talking about busing. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, sure. she's, she's yeah. a buster. Yeah, she is a bus driver too. She she had her testimony on here like a few months ago. So. Is that what's her handle on? Uh, she's not on on any of the live chats or oh, anything. Just, but it's my friend Paulette. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that was that was one of my favorite. I mean, most of the work I've ever done, I, I've always really enjoyed. I it's not hard to me enjoy it, or I find a way to enjoy it, but the kids and everything just really won me. So, you know, when I, when I was thinking about the big family that Marcel came from and later on, after I had asked, you know, for her hand by her dad, Oscar and everything, he goes, well, Greg, you know, they're Dutch. So Greg, uh, you, you do know that this is a, this is a, a rabbit family, right? And I go, I'm counting on it. <laughs> <It's>, you know, <laughs> so we, we had kids pretty quickly, pretty easily when we decided to. So, um, so we always talked about, you know, having the, our, our quiver full of arrows with our five. And now we've got these 11. So we have 16 plus spouses is 23. We're counting in the faith, in the fight for the kingdom and singing far away. One day, singing far away. So we're going to be singing. We're, we're going to be we're going to be the singing troubadours, singing far away. Yeah, awesome. So, oh my gosh, uh, there's so much I wanted to share. Um, I feel like I failed, but you know what? Oh, no, 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 you did not fail. You were right in the space that God wanted you to be in right now. So. Right, and that's agreed. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. And that's what I prayed for, and that's what I believe. <clears throat> but of course, I always um, set ambitious uh, goals, and and I I didn't spend enough time on timing. 
excuse me. So that just anyway, means there's uh, another opportunity maybe in the future when people connect with you that you can you can share more of the details absolutely. at that time too. I I I strongly believe that the spirit has led you the whole time you've been on and um he leads you every day. And so don't apologize because it was right what it needed to be. And so and I I was really um touched by just your enthusiasm talking about the word and just how you you found him in the beginning, you know, or how you connected with the Lord through his word and yeah. how it just came alive in you. And like I said to everybody, I can't, if, if you could see him talking, it's just, you shine, you shine yeah. really bright, Greg. And mm. I'm, I'm very blessed to, uh, call you a brother in Christ. And I'm so glad that you came on here today. Praise the Lord. Gosh, I, I you know, I've got these stories. I, there's such good stories. Uh, I could tell you about one angel that I think came, but I'll have to hold back on that. I think I'm out of time. We might have to. I feel like, uh, you know, the, we've had a couple the dad is tapping like... his foot, waiting for the guy to leave the house and so he can put his daughter to bed. <laughs> <laughs> We've had a couple guests. Or like, we might or like that song twos. by uh, Dirk Bentley. Like, what was I thinking? Oh, yeah. That song. What hey, was we, I thinking? We always got time for angel stories, Greg. Come on. Oh, it's good. Well, so so I had so th this is where my GTO thing comes in because I bought my GTO and I. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so this became like an anchor, and until I got into the brother's house, I finally sold it for five hundred dollars. If there was a problem with the transmission, I I did not give full disclosure to the guy. But neither was it required. But anyway, so we're in. So I'm starting to think about. I had started to think about traveling the country, like this medical missionary thing that Jethro Kloss. And then that book, Back to Eden, is it's a classic natural, you know, naturopathic uh, protocol field manual. And uh, so I, I thought, well, this is I'm going to travel across the U.S. and find, you know, travel and all this stuff. But there was a part of me that said, what if you meet a bunch of guys and they're like really bad dudes and who knows what's going to happen? Because I, you know, we, we're often alone a lot. And uh, there's there's one time that I, I came this close to being snatched up as a little kid. You know, um, it's pretty, pretty horrible. But, you know, we were alone a lot. And. But anyway, so I had I had made this decision I was going to go across the country and so I was shooting pool with some friends and this guy shows up with a suit, you know, like out of the blue. And so, I mean, it was an apartment building and everything. I'd never seen the guy before, but so he says, Hey, can I play with you guys? Said, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, what are you guys talking about? Oh, I'm just talking about how I want to travel and everything. Cause I want to get out of the system. I think I'd seen THX 1138 by this time that this, the Spielberg, uh, George Lucas film with Robert Duvall. I don't know if you guys have mm -hmm. seen that movie, but yeah, you know, stellar. I mean, that movie, set the tone for me. I, I, I was already, you know, kind of anti-Vietnam War, you know, the 60s, you know, that kind of stuff. And and uh, and so I was already anti, you know, I was already anti-church guy. You know, I, I came with churchianity, you know, like within the first year of my my faith. I was like, it's a bunch of churchianity out here. What's this crap? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just banging on people. You know, it's like, no, Greg. Anyway. So, so we're shooting pool. And so this guy's asking, he's focusing on me. Why is he talking to me? So, so what do you, what are you thinking about doing with yourself? Well, I'm going to, you know, get on trains and, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to go into herbs and stuff. And he goes, well, why don't you think about science or industry or I, I go, well, I don't know about that. He goes, well, you know, I was, I was like you at one point and, um, I started thinking, well, wait a minute, if I stay and I work with these other people, I can change them. If I leave them, I can't change them. But if I stay, I can change them. I can change them. I can change things from the inside. And when he said that, I go, well, it's like, oh. it's like Bob telling me, she prayed that God would reveal himself to her. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? To say that again? He said to me, yeah, you can change things from the same thing, same, same effect. And I'm just sitting there like almost shaking, like changing things from the inside. What does that mean? Change it. It's because it sounds legitimate and I didn't want to do it. And all of a sudden I just go, okay, well, Lord, so is that what you're saying to me? Don't, don't go, go off in these trains. I looked up on the wall and there was a sign there that said wise choice. <gasps> and, I, and I, and I looked over and that guy, I don't know how he disappeared. It's like the guy that put out the fire on the bottom of my truck when I had all my kids in my suburban one time I turned around, the guy was gone. It's like, what the, how, how, I mean, he was just here. Like, right. where did this guy go? So and this, this guy disappeared. And I went back later on, like two days later, I came back. It was a Budweiser sign. He says, if you choose Budweiser, it's a wise choice in big letters. But the only thing I saw was wise choice. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what the Lord used. Yeah, that's what I he mean, revealed so was that to you. I angel? I don't know. But it was pretty, pretty bizarre. It was, it was, you know, it's a weird vibe. You know, it's like he's focusing just on me. And I'm just going, well, talk to him. I got two other friends here, you know. But, I'm gonna, but, I'm gonna just say that that was a divine appointment, whether it was an right. angel or not. Yeah, yeah, so, I think so too. Yeah. God, God works that way. That God Amen. works that way. Thank you well, so much. Well, thank you both. Thanks, thanks. You know, this has been good for me because I've been meaning to do this. I've, I've never actually done this before. Um, I mean, I, I've given snippets to to different people, just informal conversation, but it's helped me organize a lot of other information. I haven't talked about the. Uh, the spectrum of sonship, the, the, the seven um, uh, offices of sonship that God is using to prepare us for for reigning with Him, um, and nor have I talked about the the uh, the seven domains of the house of God, where these the sons that are rising, that are being led by the captain of their salvation, are filling their house with His glory. So that when when he who John fourteen it says my father's house are many places many many rooms many sittings, our house is we're fitting our house into that room that he's preparing for us so we can all be together. Yeah. So that's that's us manifesting the house of God as the sons of God fulfilling our functions as the royal priests of God. So all of that I'm I'm building that out now to make it well, all make it all work together. You have a lot you have a lot of wisdom to share. And so I'm, I'm thankful that we were able to just even just get a small part of it today. And um, like I said, this is a great opportunity for people as they're listening to connect with you, you know, off this program and that, um, you know, you're able to share more with them on the details of things, but it was awesome. Thank you. So I do have some podcasts planned. I've got We the People, which will be a general application for for Christian patriots. I've got a a uh, uh, a three podcasts based on First John, the little children, the young men, and the fathers. The little children is the idea of 
people that are you know inclined maybe to follow Christ, but they, they're not Christian. So it's not a Christian show per se. And then I've got the young men. So these are the ones that have overcome the devil. And then the fathers who are the shepherds. So it's, 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 a, it's a multi-generational model for reproducing the kingdom and, and outliving our enemies who've done a much better job of creating multi-generational models. Yeah. So that's it. I'm done. Awesome. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Greg, thank you for all your wisdom. Thank you. It's been a learning experience for everyone here. You're awesome, man. We need a four-hour show to have you. <laughs> yes. We, yes. We might have to do, we're, we, we really needed a four-hour show to have you. We might have to do a part two with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, really I, bad. Because I, I feel mean, like I'm cutting you short, and I just want you to go on forever, but uh, we're, we're going to wrap up here. Um, so thank you, Greg. We appreciate you. Please, um, for our listeners, please reach out to Greg. You can, you can, you, you, if you need to reach out to him, you can find us on our telegram page and we'll get you in touch with Greg. Um, yeah, and those verses are just samples of, you know, it's probably a quarter of the verses that sort of sit in me and, 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 you know, the little bit that I've shared today, I mean, if, if you look at a verse, you don't understand it, you know, reach out to me or other verses related to it. You don't have a clear picture. You don't know how to hold it. You don't know how to use it. You don't know how to step into it. You don't know how to escape it or whatever. You know, absolutely reach out to me. I'm here for you. And awesome. those verses are going to be up on our Telegram page. At this is an official Godcast. Find yep. us on Telegram. Yes. Um, so if I can, I'm going to read Romans 10, 9. Um, and for anybody listening, either live or in the recording, if you have not received Jesus in your heart, if you're not born again, if you want Jesus to be your Savior, um, it's a great opportunity, and we'd love to help you along with that. But if I can, I'd like to read Romans ten nine, and we've done that before earlier in the show, one of Greg's. Uh, this is how Greg was saved. This is how I was saved. Uh, this very verse, which is which is why I just dwell on it so much. I love it myself. Romans ten nine through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So please recognize that you're a sinner, repeat of your sins, confess it with your mouth, and it is that easy. You'll be saved. And, and you can find us on uh, this is an official Godcast at Gmail if you want to reach out to Mary and myself. We'd love to pray with you. And um, one, one thing I'll also want to say about uh, salvation, if I can, is John 4.35. John 4.35 says, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. One thing that I want you to please, don't focus on the temporary, don't focus on the now, focus on the eternal. Stop and observe the spiritual needs of others around you. They're ripe, they're ready, they're white. We all know the Lord is coming. And wouldn't it be a shame to leave without fruit, without the harvest before it's time? You know, the time is drawing near. And my question to you is, what are we, what are, what are we doing about it? You know, when, when was the last time you stopped and looked at the field? You know, we are supposed to be witnesses, so please do the labor. Let's win people to Christ. There are lost souls everywhere, and and quite honestly, they could be the nicest, best person, but without Jesus, they're going to hell. It's our responsibility. Let's get to work. We've got limited time. 
the fields are white. Tell someone about Jesus. You know, th- thank God someone saw that field was ready to be harvested when they told me. And I thank God. I thank God every day for that. I thank Jesus for my salvation. We want it for you because we know how beautiful it is. So please, I implore you, um, find that person that you love that doesn't know God and share with that person your testimony. Share with them your story and share with them the gospel of Jesus the best way you know how. Uh, There's no wrong way to do it. Mary, do you want to close us out? Yeah. Thank you, Ron. That is so true. Good words to sink in today. Thank you, Lord. Here we are on Friday again, and I just can't thank you enough. I'm I'm just so amazed at how you just connect people and how you bring people together to share your story and to bring your your glory to the front page. So thank you for that. Thank you for bringing Greg here tonight. I just ask for a blessing upon his family, just to be poured out upon his wife, his kids, his grandkids, everybody that knows him, his his extended family, people that he works with, and also the people that are going to connect with Greg in the future here. I just know, Lord, that you have planted more than a few seeds today and of connection and people maybe wanting to know more about your word and what it is that that lit up Greg so much with you, Lord. So I, I pray a blessing over those future meetings because I know they'll happen. I'm confident in that, Lord. And so we we just, we lift that up to you. I didn't see anybody in the chat that had any prayer requests that were specific, but again, I just, uh, Truth Patriot comes to mind again. I just want to praise you and thank you again for um, what you've done with his son and his job and all of that, and um, we pray a blessing over that and when that's going to start, and um, we just lift all of that up to you, Lord. We lift up anybody who's got any hurts or needs healing or we lift up this ambulance right now that's driving by to whatever was ever in that. And um, we just pray healing over that situation right now, too, actually, in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, I just want to lift up this entire evening and where it will go and who it's going to touch. And praise, praise you, Lord, for using this to bring more people to you. And help us to to remain encouraged and faithful in that and just to continue in um, this mission that you've placed here before us. And we just thank you. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, Mm -hmm. amen. Amen. Right, you too. Bless you. Thank you. Greg, any last words? What's that? Any last words? Um, 
hate to see you go, brother. Man, you've been awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't don't really go. Wait till the after the song. We'll, we'd like to say goodbye to you in the Zoom. Yeah, too, please stick so. around. Well, I'll just I'll just say these words to you. When you're feeling down and you're feeling confused, you feel powerless, you feel impotent, you feel unfaithful, just remember the words far away. It's the key to the chorus of one day when heaven was filled with his praises. Amen. Yes. Amen. I love how God then, just brought that all around, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I have God a song to share with you later on. It's called Farther Along by Josh Garrels. I'll send that to you, Greg. Mm, nice. Yeah. It's, it's, so my, my, my daughter, Ashley, my nurse daughter, is the one that found me to like country. It is by listening to Rascal Flats as my gateway. And from there, I got into bluegrass and I got into all kinds of different. But otherwise, I pretty much love all of the music. I play bass and percussion and horns or blasts or brass stuff, piano. I read music. Awesome. Well, you sing pretty good, too. I'm curious, too. Like too. <laughs> so you, you play any strings? Bass. Bass. I play guitar at one point, but uh, and you know my bass is rusty. I probably probably forgotten all my all my chords and, and keys. Um, I mean, reading music is pretty easy, straightforward for me. I learned that to learn piano. Well, thank you for singing. You're you're the only one that sang here besides Burke. Burke sang a couple songs, but <laughs> so we got you on the list now. If we ever need someone to right? sing a song for us, we're going to be calling yeah, you, buddy. What you, what you can do is you can mix me in. If if somebody will do the guitar and you send me the chorus, and I'll I'll play it and sing over it, and then send back you the audio with the you mix audio. Be careful, we might take you up on that. <laughs> I have to make sure I can sing. In the, if in the morning, my voice is always the best. I can hit a low pedal eleven in the morning. <laughs> and that's way down there okay i just sent you that song it's pretty good it's an old hymn but it's done in a uh, different way so you'll probably enjoy that so actually kind of goes along with what you were talking about tonight too so cool aren't so, you too lord bless thank Take you care. everyone we're going to close out with this my dearest friends let us not forget we're here for one reason and one reason only and that is to spread the gospel of our savior jesus christ so please Share your testimony with someone that you love that does not know him. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us. Alrighty. Thank you. Love you guys. I, I, I didn't realize you guys were still recording. Stick okay. around. Stick around for after the song. We want to say goodbye to you. Oh, okay. It's not just a story. It's a living, breathing, walking testimony. Of a guy so good, he'd leave his home in glory for the world he loved, for the world that he so loved. It's not just a story. Yeah. I believe in the life of Jesus. I believe that he conquered death. I believe in the resurrection. I believe. He's coming back again. I believe that His Spirit's with us. I believe that He gives us power. I believe that He is the Son of God. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe in the life of Jesus. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it.
Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Eastern time right here on Podbean. Love you guys. See ya. Love you guys.